This is Religion and Theology, a podcast from the Center for Theology and Religious Studies. In this episode of Religion and Theology, CTR researcher in philosophy of religion, Aaron Goldman, gives a talk entitled Investigating QAnon as a quasi-religious movement, Donald Trump as a religious hero. The talk was recorded from the annual Horti Dagana, or Humanities and Theology Days, at the joint faculties of Lund University. With reference to classical theories of myth and religion, Goldman investigates QAnon, a decentralized right-wing conspiracy movement which emerged in the United States during Donald Trump's presidency. It is a quasi-religious response to Trump's eruption into American political discourse. Further, Goldman hypothesizes that a confluence of factors pertinent to the American cultural landscape generated conditions for a cult, merging the horizons of the religious and political to coalesce around Trump as a religious hero figure. Today, I will be sharing some of my initial research trajectory for the LMK Foundation-funded project I'm a part of, called Beyond Truth and Lies. What I'll be discussing is my hypothesis about the implicit logic behind the political and quasi-religious conspiracy movement known as QAnon, particularly the close relationship between this movement and former, possibly future, President of the United States, Donald Trump. So, what I want to ask is why political support for Donald Trump took shape in QAnon, more specifically, why QAnon believers and practitioners operate in a way commonly associated with cults, or more properly, new religious movements. First, I'm going to summarize aspects of QAnon and explain why I deem the movement to be quasi-religious. Then, I'm briefly going to propose some avenues for explaining how Trump's presidential campaign took advantage of the bubbling conspiratorial and religious fervor in the United States, and why a movement resulted which treated him as a religious hero. So to preview, this will involve both referring to the professional wrestling concept of kayfabe and briefly to some classic accounts of myth and religion. QAnon began in October 2017 on the 4chan image board when a user calling himself Q began posting cryptic statements under the guise of someone with top security level clearance in the U.S. government. Q's posts, known as crumbs or Q drops, take a variety of forms, but often issue a series of political predictions alongside other obscure, occasionally apocalyptic statements. One of the earliest crumbs from late October 28th, 2017 looks like this. Uh, For those of you who are uninitiated, most of you perhaps, HRC refers to Hillary Rodham Clinton, Huma refers to Huma Abedin, the longtime Clinton advisor and ex-spouse of disgraced Democratic Congressman Anthony Weiner. Q's crumbs tend to be written in jarring style with religious or patriotic platitudes, vague prophecies, signals of insider knowledge, and with enough abbreviations, shorthand, and allusions to both real-world events and other conspiracisms that they prompted a cottage industry of YouTube streamers to provide assistance decoding them for others. 
What spawns from this milieu is essentially an unsponsored alternate reality game where internet users confer with one another to decipher cue crumbs and predict future events. Interpretations beget more interpretations, drawing in other conspiracy theories, such as theories about the Illuminati, or most prominently, 2016's Pizzagate conspiracy theory, which claimed that Hillary Clinton and her campaign chair, John Podesta, ran a child sex trafficking ring out of a Washington, D.C. pizza parlor called Comet Ping Pong. What are the core beliefs of QAnon? Well, there is no established canon, but they include, one, that a network of politicians, including Obama and the Clintons, Hollywood celebrities such as Tom Hanks, entrepreneurs and members of the U.S. or world's quote-unquote deep state, are involved in a secret satanic sex trafficking ring that preys on children, Two, that an event known as the storm will occur in the near future in which guilty parties will be rounded up, tried for their crimes, and possibly publicly executed, ushering in a new era of safety and political freedom in the U.S. called the Great Awakening. And three, that Donald Trump is secretly working with other freedom fighters both within and outside the U.S. government to lead this charge. This last point can't be overstated. Trump has been decisively at the center of QAnon since the beginning. His longstanding social and media affiliations with members of the supposed satanic cabal, such as the Clintons, Jeffrey Epstein, various Hollywood celebrities, and others, as well as his apparent lack of progress in bringing about the Great Awakening, are chalked up to Trump being a master planner, having pursued these subtle objectives perhaps for decades and continuing to patiently pursue them in the shadows. Demonstrating how the mainstream Republican Party has taken cues from this new element of its base, the sprawling 2021 Conservative Political Action Committee convention featured a fiberglass statue of Donald Trump painted and dressed as a golden idol. Other occasional beliefs held by QAnon include some combination of the following, that quote-unquote mole children have been covertly rescued from sex trafficking rings under New York City's Central Park and possibly elsewhere, that JFK Jr. survived his 1999 plane crash, and has been living disguised as a man under the name Vincent Fusca in order to aid Trump in bringing about the Great Awakening, and that JFK Jr. and other deceased celebrities such as Robin Williams, Dale Earnhardt Sr., and Michael Jackson would one day reveal their presence at Dealey Plaza in Dallas, where JFK Sr. had originally been shot in 1963. It is difficult to ascertain how, um, how many among QAnon subscribe to such beliefs, even if only a small percentage, QAnon still includes a lot of people, or at least it has, so there may be many such adherents. While not a trustworthy source, a conservative think tank called the American Enterprise Institute estimated that 29% of American Republicans and 27% of white evangelical Christians in the U.S. believe QAnon to be, quote, completely or mostly accurate, end quote. CNN cited various polling data in February to defend a deflationary headline that, quote, less than 10% of Americans like QAnon, end quote, and that it is a, quote, truly fringe movement. But a little less than 10% Americans is still more than 30 million people. Academic scholarship on QAnon accelerated since the riot on January 6, 2021, an event which resulted in the deaths of at least five people. But before then, most in-depth research on QAnon was con conducted by a sort of parallel academy comprising journalists like Will Summer, documentarians like Colin Holbeck, Hobeck, and left-leaning podcasters critical of the movement, such as TrueAnon and QAnon Anonymous. So to recapitulate, QAnon has been a serious presence in U.S. right-wing politics sh since shortly after its inception. 
It weaves together religious, political, and esoteric language, promoting an interpretive fervor among those interested, and generating a sense of community obligation that is to continue predicting and decoding Q and to support Donald Trump. It exists in a context where American evangelical Christianity has already politicized its base toward the right wing, and where the American public in general is becoming increasingly distrusting of institutions with epistemic authority. For instance, the Center for Centers for Disease Control, because of a history of documented malfeasance and also failure to respond to ongoing public needs. However, it also lacks many things that stereotyped religions do have. It does not have proper practitioners or members yet, nor does it have a designated gathering place or established rituals. Though, indeed, some turns of phrase and references have become markers of membership, and in-person conferences, gatherings, and protests have increased in visibility over Trump's presidential turn and then since. For these reasons, I'm comfortable describing QAnon as quasi-religious. It intersects evangelical, right-wing, political, new age, and conspiracist communities that already existed through an online mode of engagement and functions as a sort of cult of personality revolving around Donald Trump at the same time. It is, however, still important to ask, why Donald Trump? How did he, an obvious con man, physically grotesque and visibly stupid, become so central to QAnon? There's obviously no lack of ink spilt on this topic, but I would like to toss my hat into the ring as well. So what is crucial, I contend, is how Trump, whether intentionally or not, deployed tactics associated with the concept of kayfabe. So kayfabe, what is this and how does it work in Trump's favor? Kayfabe is the type of fictive performance used in professional wrestling. For those unfamiliar, professional wrestling is not properly a sport, but rather a form of acted entertainment in which mock fights are staged on television and for a live audience. Performances include staged brawls and arguments between wrestlers outside the ring and even fights between coaches, managers, and referees that blatantly break the rules of normal sporting competition. In professional wrestling, a fake fight may be interrupted, for example, by a third competitor suddenly appearing, or perhaps the two main wrestlers will continue fighting outside of the ring, hitting one another with folding chairs in front of the audience. This is how uh, Hulk Hogan, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, John Cena, Dave Bautista, and even former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, gained their fame originally. Moreover, Trump himself, as depicted in this image, was involved in professional wrestling since the 80s. In a piece about the kayfabe of professional wrestling, philosopher Lisa Jones claims that, quote, the fundamental conceit of kayfabe is, that the, preten is the pretense that the in-ring and backstage performances are genuine, that they are legitimate feuds and wrestled fights, when in fact they are a matter of fictive performance, end quote. Jones is clear, though, that no one involved is fooled. Rather, the audience joins in, acting alongside the main actors by pretending that what is transpiring is real. Indeed, this is what differentiates it from normal theatrics. If you were to attend a play, you do not yourself pretend that you were watching spontaneous events unfold live. Similarly, actors in a normal play do not really endeavor to convince the audience that the plot is really happening, but with kayfabe, both actors and audience pretend that they are not acting even as they act. As a side note, reality television programs, another media interest of Trump, sometimes deploy similar techniques but without central characters who are usually not actors, self-consciously involved in creating the artificial reality. So why is this important for Trump's politics? 
I'm actually not the first person to contend that Trump deployed kayfabe techniques during the 2016 Republican primary and presidential election. Shannon O'Brien has argued that Trump used these techniques, particularly that of pretending a demonstratively counterfactual claim is true despite protest, to manufacture a reality that enables the downtrodden voter to hope for something better. In other words, Trump generates a form of authenticity by creating a media space in which the audience is invited to pretend, like a professional wrestling audience, that what is demonstrably false is actually true. So I don't think that O'Brien is wrong when she argues this, but I think that there's something else at work here too, which draws together what I've claimed in the earlier parts of the presentation. Here is the core of my hypothesis. Trump didn't bring kayfabe entertainment to American electoral politics. American electoral politics was already a form of fictive performance on the verge of kayfabe. Most American voters, in large part, already knew that party platforms, televised debates, and interviews which candidates did not, I'm sorry, in interviews with candidates did not feature genuinely interested political actors making legitimate promises without the influence of corporate interests. But everyone had, until Trump, been sufficiently restrained in their performance as actors and as members of the audience that politics resembled something like a fixed sporting event rather than a WWE wrestling match. The audience still liminally believed in its authenticity. What Trump brought to the table was the willingness to bend the illusion and even risk breaking it, much like when professional wrestlers tumble into the audience and to invite the audience at the same time to play along. The effects of this were compounded in light of the fact that, the, that a major component of the Republican base, white evangelical Christians, already treated American electoral politics as a platform for spiritual warfare. Trump's entry into the debate stage is like the sudden appearance of Marduk to battle Tiamat, where Tiamat represents the forces of chaos associated with both the U.S. Democratic Party and the broader liberal culture of Hollywood and big business. Here, one might recall Joseph Campbell's monomyth from The Hero with a Thousand Faces, with Trump as our hero. Or alternatively, the mythic model advanced by Torgny, Save Söderberg, and corroborated by Jay-Z Smith, of the ruler of an urban agricultural society slaying the forces of chaos that threaten it. The religious hero enters the scene and the malevolent or chaotic forces associated with the so-called political establishment are soon to be cast aside. It is in this mix that QAnon takes hold. It is, I think, a manifestation of the desire to fight powerful political forces by a population who experience themselves as disempowered. Trump's kayfabe strategy issues an implicit critique of his opponents as phony by being more phony and louder than they are before they refuse to play along with him. It points out that politics is a farce by forcing performative politics into the genre of farce. Simultaneously, Trump's kayfabe strategy is an offer to his fans that they can co-constitute his reality by ritualistically pretending alongside of him. QAnon is at least one manifestation of this dynamic, where people can hang out with each other online, launder their self-perceived disempowerment with the notion that they are fighting against evil to save abused children, and participate in the play of US politics with their decoder rings. Thank you.